Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest is on a mission to help parents connect with and advocate for their children. From her speaking engagements to her clinical work, she has impacted hundreds of people with information and support in their time of need. She's an audiologist helping families navigate life and parenting at the intersection of hearing loss, special needs, and other chronic health challenges. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to the host of the All About Audiology podcast, Dr. Lelock Saperstein. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. And Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I, as I just said, you work as an audiologist and you have a ton of experience with parents who are overwhelmed and don't feel supported as they're navigating this complicated path of special needs parenting. And that's something I've walked down myself, not with hearing loss, um, but with other special needs. And I can tell you, despite having experience working as a service coordinator for kids who have developmental disabilities, um, I struggled through the process of advocating for my own child. So I'm looking forward to this conversation um, and would love for you to start with just telling us a little bit more about your journey as an audiologist and how it's kind of led you to where you are today. Sure. And, and just what you just mentioned, um, parents really have a big role, a really big role. And when there's a diagnosis, no matter what the diagnosis is, you know, my expertise is coming from the hearing loss experience and from audiology, but I see it more and more. It applies to a lot of different special needs and um, health issues. It's that the children get, thankfully, a lot of focus. You want that. You want them to get all the focus, right. but not enough focus on how the parents are going to handle it um, and how they can navigate it. It's really like getting into a whole new maze and a whole world. Like you don't know what the next steps are. You're just where you are here and you can't see three, four steps ahead. So it's very helpful. I kind of always have this bird's eye vision and we kind of come out from the immediate need and like get some air, get some breath uh, and see what we can do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I started out actually in school as an educational audiologist for, in the school for the deaf. And that was a very, very important experience for me because all the training for audiology is very clinical. And I was in the clinic doing, you know, seeing patients. The part of getting the doctoral degree is a whole year residency of full-time work. And I worked in a clinic. I did lots and lots of hearing tests on children and adults. Um, prescribing hearing aids and fitting hearing aids. So there, that was, you know, very fast paced, clinical. You see people, they go, you see more people, like high turnover. And then in a school, it's, 
exactly opposite where you have this long relationship experience with the students, with their families over the whole year. And I started to see where those gaps were for the families that they, you know, they see the audiologist twice a year or three times a year. And I used to be on that side of the interaction, but now I was seeing, hey, what's there every day? And when we say, go and wear your hearing aids, like what does that look like in the classroom? Do the teachers know how to support that student's IEP goal? Uh, does the administration understand the equipment that we need? So that was a very interesting real life role, <laughs> just right out of the gate. Um, and I got a lot, a lot of experience there and so much value from the parents who shared their journeys with me. Um, that was, you know, something I really treasure everyone who, who was there with me and, and gave me the real life look. Also, also the other professionals on the team too, which I think the interdisciplinary model is something that I also like really in, got ingrained in that year. Because when you sit in an IEP meeting or a service meeting or, you know, administrative uh, get together, you have eight, 10 adults in the room talking about one child and what they need. And the parents are many times just like, whoa, what's happening? Who are all these people? And everyone says what they do and who they are. This one's from the state. This one's from the school. This one's the speech pathologist, the audiologist, the OT, the PT, the nurse, the school counselor, and maybe there's an interpreter. So then there's a language barrier on top of all of that. And those meetings mattered. <laughs> yeah. So I started to see what the patients go through outside of just their appointments. And that's been my journey of getting that bird's eye view also from my, from my perspective. So what did you notice that the parents were missing most? I, I saw that um, things were very technical for too long or that the technicality was given a lot of weight. Uh, the name of the diagnosis, the exact terminology of their equipment. And again, we want those things. It needs to be black and white clear what those things are. And that's important, but you can't just stay there and that, that's the whole conversation. You need to go beyond that and say, given their diagnosis and given their recommendations and needs and equipment, how are we going to then support them to make friends, integrate in the classroom, learn to communicate, uh, learn, like if that's what we're, we're going for in school. Um, and and I, I felt like that moving from caring for them medically, from a medical model, like what's the problem, what's the solution, what's the intervention, what's the therapy, that's the conversation. But it didn't go to how are you connecting with your child? What does your child love to do? And how, when do they feel their best? And when do you see that you relish in their, in their presence? And you're like, you're having also those magic moments that I think mainstream parenting never has to even have those conversations because beautiful, they happen. <laughs> and that's, you know, we want that for everybody. But it's like sometimes in the special needs, chronic health challenges, IEPs, that gets lost from the conversation. Um, and, and also to think about just the context, the environment, what's going on at home, what's going on at school, uh, how many days in a year are they in a hospital? Like if, if those things are relevant to the conversation, then, so again, like how does a hospital stay look 
Uh, are there visitors? Is there food provided? Are there clowns and games and balloons and puppets? Like those things actually also matter. And yeah, as an audiologist, I felt like I kind of got it at a sort of soft landing into like disability advocacy, you know? Um, and I saw people who, who kind of were like, but we do have hearing aids, so now they can hear, but it's not that simple. There's still a lot of things that, you know, be, <laughs> well, you're preaching yeah. to the choir. I don't, I think we talked about this. Um, maybe we did, maybe we didn't, but like I used to work at a school for the deaf as well. So I was never an audiologist, um, but I started in security and then I ended up transitioning into a residential program. So I worked with kids um, between the ages of five and, and 12 or 13, like the, the younger girls. Um, and I've worked with girls who got like a cochlear implant and it is not what those Facebook videos make it out to be that they put this implant in and then suddenly they're happy and they can hear um that's not the the real life story i promise it's very important for you to mention that because those videos go viral for a reason because that's unusual (laughs) lots of times (laughs) yeah lots of times the babies cry or or they throw it off or they don't tolerate it or they don't have a reaction at all like the first that first moment when you see those videos that's because it's really delightful and unusual but then it creates this uh, expectation um yeah it's it's much much more complicated than that <laughs> i'll never forget having i think i she was probably about nine when she got her cochlear implant one of our girls and she hated it so much that she took it off and threw it in the ball pit that was oh that was pleasant i, I thought you were gonna say toilet because i've heard that one <laughs> no, and like a, you know one of like the chuck e cheese ball pits but it was like at sure. the school it was great because yeah. we had to find it because it wasn't a cheap piece of equipment. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Go diving. Did everyone find it? Yes. In the yes. End. We cleared all the balls out. <laughs> and but that's it. You know, it's not, I think with hearing loss, um, hearing, first of all, there's so many different kinds of hearing loss. So someone who needs a cochlear implant versus someone who has an auditory processing disorder, it's two totally different student experiences but also the family experience um and so hearing loss is a very interesting it kind of sits on this uh little fence between like some as in some people who whose children have hearing loss don't even maybe consider that to be a disability and so then when you talk about advocacy they're like in a different headspace than someone with a more physical obvious disability right um and a lot of this talk about advocacy I mean this could apply across the board not just to hearing loss so that's what I want to I want to point that out too Um, like hearing loss was not something that any of my children faced but the need for advocacy for them has all been related to other special needs and I mean even in a totally different respect one of my daughters is biracial and we've had advocacy needs for her based on her race which which isn't a special needs but you know there's still there's yeah. this advocacy can apply in multiple situations. And one of the things I love that you've done is identified like similarities between this process of raising a special needs child and advocacy work um, and building a business. Right. So yeah. I'm excited to dive into those. I, you know, I was in the thick of 
raising a special needs child while I built my business. Um, so I think I was too close, like, like you mentioned before, too much in the story that I don't know that I would be able to come up with the same lessons that you've been able to come up with because you've got that bird's eye view. So I can't wait to dive into those. Okay, great. So we'll start with one most important thing, which, you know, people call their why, their motivation, mm-hmm. their, the reason that they advocate for their child, why they will go to the ends of the earth to get what their child needs. That's, you know, that love and devotion that you have to your child, that having that strong reason, you're not, you're not going to give up and not do it, <laughs> no matter how hard it is and how many hoops and how many lawyers or meetings or things you have to do or specialists and second and third and fourth opinions, you are going to keep on going. That doesn't mean you don't have burnout and difficulties, right. bumps along the road, but you know, it's very rare that you'll see someone just put their hands up and say, well, that's as good as, you know, I'm going to try today for my kid. Um, you know, like, like I say, even on the days that I am, I'm a very simple kind of mom. Uh, things are not fancy around here, but even on the day that I don't want to do the thing, some, everyone will still eat. Like there isn't right. a day that nobody there, like crackers are a thing and <laughs> mac and cheese, like, you know, we just, it's not that, okay, well, that's it. There's, you know, we can't do everything. So we won't do anything. You always keep moving forward. You keep taking that next step for your child. Um, and so you can think about that when you're building a business if you have that really, really strong mission and your message that you want to put out to the world matters to you and matters to the people that you serve, then you will do that next thing. Um, you know, even if it's just answering comments or like moving, moving your, moving your mails from 1000 unread to 940 unread. (laughs) Hey, that's a thing. (laughs) Right. I also never would want to, you know, just like put a little disclaimer on our whole conversation. You know, obviously there's are two very different experiences and you would sure. never minimize the, the love that a parent has for the child and say, Oh, it's just like a business. That's not what I mean. <laughs> no. And I didn't even think yeah. of it that way, but I'm glad yeah. you brought it up just in case somebody did. Um, I right. think it's easy. And here there's going to be some generalizations, right? So it's easy when you are, trying to manage all the moving pieces of having a special needs child. Um, And I feel like my kids, here's, here's where it comes like comparison, right? Like my kids were never like super special needs. They were just like mildly special needs Mm -hmm. because there's, there's a little bit of a spectrum, but I I did have always comes up in any of the conversations that because you have that, you know, you have students who are completely non-communicative or, can do nothing for themselves without assistance all the way on the other side. So there's definitely a spectrum. So I feel like the special needs that my kids dealt with were mild, but I did have Mm -hmm. two with their own unique mild special needs at the same time and having to like juggle all of that and all of the doctor's appointments and specialist appointments and IEP meetings at school or CPSE meetings when they were too young to go to school and all of those things. And then wanting being important to build my business because I didn't want to have to go back to a nine to five job that, that couldn't allow me to participate yeah. 
with my kids plans because it's a time commitment you know to have to bring your kids to all those appointments and it's not that I don't trust my husband let me just say that too he's amazing um he's very capable but I felt like it was important for me to be involved and so So to me it sounds like you're saying the why was the same for both those endeavors it's you know it was for them that you were also building the business but I think that that's common like yeah for me, for the people that I've met and spoken to on similar topics, like if they're intertwined. So I think it's, it's almost like if, if you're a special needs mom, who's listening, who's feeling like you can't start a business because you haven't even gotten these IEP meetings straightened out. I, I hope that this is going to be motivational because, or inspirational or whatever, um, <laughs> because you're already doing so much of the work mm-hmm. anyhow you know that like adding the business piece on we talk about all the time if you wait till the time is right you'll be waiting forever because the time will never be right um but I love how you pointed that out knowing that why mm-hmm. understanding your mission and writing it down to help remind you that 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 helps me yeah awesome and it, um what ties into this is the intentionality and I think that special needs parents um, are gifted <laughs> that they must be intentional. You can't just, okay, next grade, next grade, next activity, next. You, you can't do that. You're going to have to be very involved with decisions, and that can lead to the decision fatigue that many people experience where every, every single next thing or planning and outing you know, becomes overwhelming because there's so many steps. Um, but because you already are training in this intentionality of what, who do you let into your life? What, you know, um, what activities are you going to pursue and what activities are not going to work for your family? You're making those decisions. And that's a lot of what business is. That's a lot of what business leaders have to do is make decisions. (laughs) Hard, hard ones. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of little (laughs) tedious, things yeah yeah you can't just go with the flow or do what everyone's doing or do what's being suggested to you as the consumer because you need to be on the creator side and just on a side note I noticed that intensely with my relationship with social media Um, on the days that I am a consumer of social media versus a creator like even one post or even one you know if I'll go live for five minutes that will change the whole encounters that I then have because people are responding to what I put out and then there's that engagement versus the following loop and the scroll (laughs) and so I kind of noticed like hey that even like when we say building a business a lot of times it just starts out with like putting out a thought putting out a post putting out a message um, being on a podcast like say what it is you're interested in advocating for passionate about and then people come to you and then you start this volley. So, yeah. I mean, it seems like, so simple, but you can't have a business if nobody knows about it. And that's exactly right. That's what brings me to my next point. The perfect segue. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I don't even know what the next point is. So you're welcome. Great. Okay. So <laughs> the next point is about connections and networking and people. Because as a special needs parent, you know, right from the beginning that you rely on other people you must you need to learn to be a receiver because you're going to need help 
<laughs> yes. Um, not only for yourself as a parent in that whole self-care, which I kind of, uh, that expression kind of grates on my nerves because um, the onus, like you need to care for yourself is, is sometimes flawed. It's like you also need help from others. We're not like lone soldiers in the world. Um, so self-care as a concept is lovely, but um, it also introduces all this guilt. Like you didn't do a face mask, mm. therefore you're stressed out. Like, no, maybe it's because of all this stuff I'm dealing with being right. especially, you know, so um, that's just a side point. But yes, you need people and connections are so, so important. Um, which specialist to see, which hospital is great, pediatrician recommendation, all those things, you get that person to person, word to word, you know, word of mouth, one to one. That's where real life happens. When your friends tell you, try that out, then you will go to that restaurant. No matter how many thousands of reviews they have, you know, if your friend says something, that has the most weight. And support groups are so important. And when people in the special needs journey um, find their people and find their, their you know, support and uh, realize that they don't just need, um, you know, people that are involved in their journey in a transactional sense. And now I mean like therapists and coordinators and doctors, like those people are your service providers, but you also need kind of the peers yeah. So in the support group sense or just friends who are doing the same as you, even when those friends are, you know, in a Facebook group and you don't actually know them, but you're going through it together and they know sometimes your innermost most thoughts more than the people who see you in real life. <laughs> those people and those connections are golden. They're what's going to take you through. So just the same. Yeah, and it was building a business. <laughs> honestly, it's funny. Like you talking about the stuff is making me reflect back and it was, it was a friend, a, a person or a personal connection, you know, in an online group who recommended the speech therapist that was pivotal in changing the trajectory of my child's speech development, you know, because she had specialized in one specific, you know, technique yeah. or approach that only a couple people in our area had. And if I didn't know that, I would have never like requested that specific therapist. And there's no telling if we'd be where we are today. So it's like having, you have to be able to have those, that, that community. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for business, you know, like, geez, yeah. the referral network. I mean, there's a reason, a reason that you and I found each other. We didn't just, I don't know, find each other randomly. There's a connector between us. Yep. yep. And, and the, and I can also, I can tell you there was a connector to her. You know, I knew someone who introduced me to her who introduced me to you. <laughs> and that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's but it's amazing me. how how well that works to grow your network. Yeah. If the spread of a global pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we are all connected and not that many degrees apart from the next person. So, um, oh. <laughs> yeah. It, it is so true that people buy from people and people yeah. do business with and, you know, you don't, you don't wake up one day and say, I, I, well, this is actually something that I'm dabbling, uh, for the last like six or seven months, I've been like, okay, maybe I'm going to start exercising again. 
And so it's like, I'll do a yoga video. I don't, you know, okay. I do a, a Zoom class that someone's offering. All right. But then when you, when I know a friend who is starting their personal, personal, what is the word? Training? Personal trainer. I just lost the word. Personal trainer and they're starting their fitness business and I know this person and I'm like, okay, I, that's it. I'm going to work with you. Even though yesterday right. she was it today she is and now I'm now I'm ready <laughs> and I feel like it, person. it forces you to commit too because like if you don't show up she's gonna know because you're not just some like empty face to her I do the yeah. same thing it's like you have to show up or else she's gonna she's gonna know <laughs> definitely so build up that network when there's when there's um I want to say local events but never mind whatever events, remote, online, in the real world. However, if there's a get together, go to it. Like right. show up at that Zoom meeting and just say who you are, how old your kid is, what you're going through. And other people, they get it because they're doing it also. It's, it's, it can be so isolating and that's, um, that's a problem. And I think on those same lines, like try a bunch of different groups, but also don't overstretch yourself. Like try a bunch so you can find the one that fits best, but then you don't have to be in all the groups. Like pick one or two. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Um, I've also really encouraged people to not only be in a group where it's diagnosis focused, where everyone has the same diagnosis and that's the, the fulcrum that everyone <laughs> else surrounds themselves, because that's helpful in that when you're in that, when you need the questions and the specialists and the interventions and the treatments for that. But then at a certain point, everyone is going to diverge for what their other needs are. So then, you know, you might want to go to um, even a place where like a family that has many children, you know, five plus children, a group like that, where everyone has many children will have more insight into what you're going through if that's your family dynamic than someone in a family with one child and that their own, you know, that child has the same diagnosis as one of your kids, then that's sure. the disconnect in that sense. So to open up and not only have it diagnosis specific, which also is kind of a huge bird's eye view element in advocacy of not defining yourself and your journey by that specific diagnosis. And with hearing loss, I see that a lot. Um, again, to the beginning, where there's different levels of hearing loss. Some some people have hearing loss in one ear, and that's a whole different story. Like unilateral hearing loss, they can, they have one good ear, so it's not the same as children with bilateral hearing loss, or you know, complete deafness or cochlear implant. It's a, it's a totally different thing. So if everyone is in a group about hearing loss, some things will apply, some things won't, and you know, it's there's going to be a limitation to that. So like a local mom group of people you know in real life who can bring you soup when you're sick has what you need there. But then they're not experts on you, the diagnosis. Though. Right. Just like be, be open. No more people. Connections. Network. That's it. <laughs> and the same is true for business. Yeah. Like as a marketer, I'm in some groups that are just for marketers because I can – learn about my craft in there, you know, perfect it and, and collaborate. But I'm also in groups for just entrepreneurs or parent entrepreneurs. And it's a, they serve different, you know, yeah. parts of, of building my business. 
just like advocacy. Definitely. Awesome. I love this like parallelness. So okay, what's, great. what's number three? So number three is to be very, very clear on your goals. Uh, so I have a advocacy method that I teach that is called the FIG method, F-I-G. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, in, in brief, in a nutshell. I've, you know, whole podcasts and courses about this, but the FIG method is basically in every interaction that you go into, you look at three things, the familiarity, F, that you have with that person, uh, the intent of what they're trying to say to you, and what your goal is, what you want out of that interaction. So when you come into uh, the, you know, a playground and there's children that are excluding your child from playing with them or teasing them or whatever that sometimes happens, um, you know, you have a couple of options of what you're going to do. And so before you do anything, (laughs) take that second and go to the fig method and say, what's my familiarity with this person? Is this a total stranger? I've never seen them before. I probably will never see them again. Um, or, you know, that's a very different situation than a conflict that you're having with your spouse. And the familiarity is very different for a family member. Um, The same goes, you know, the familiarity with a a specialist who's a medical professional who's, you're, you're, you know, coming against them. They want to do something. You don't agree, but they're the doctor. So that's very different than talking to your mom. (laughs) Like, just to take a moment and frame, again, I'm into framing things and coming out of what's happening right this minute. So giving space and just, okay, what's the familiarity? And then the I is for intent, where you think about what were they trying to do? Um, were these kids like really being mean? Or was it that they've never seen that before? Like, that's a brace on your legs. And they asked about it, but their tone was read as teasing. Um, but really, they've never seen it before. They're just curious. They're interested. Um, and I, I'm very cautious with this one, not to uh, say you should always give people benefit of the doubt. Like, no, sometimes people suck. <laughs> and they really <laughs> did mean to hurt your feelings. Like, that's, sorry. Life is not always kind. Uh, but if you know that someone is coming at you, that's helpful, too. Because then you realize they're, they're fighting, so I need to protect myself or leave right. or... Like that's information that you need. Um, so you can't you can't be always on the defensive, but you can't always be giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. It's just the question. What do you think their intent is? And that one we see tons with family conflicts um, where the parents, you know, they both love their kid. They both want the best. But one is like terrified of going forward with a surgery or a treatment. And the other says, how can we not do this? We must. And they exactly disagree, but their intent is the same. Um, They just might not see that. So we got to make some room. Yeah. (laughs) Make space for those conversations. So familiarity, intent, and then the G is goal. What do you want? What do you want to happen? What are you hoping to get out of the interaction? And if this is a service meeting and you want services, then you go in with that goal, no matter what other nonsense people are going to throw at you. Like you, you will be more focused and centered about not getting into the nitty gritty conflict with the teacher, what happened that day and who said what, like, you know, on a regular day without knowing your goal, you might get sucked into that conversation. And otherwise you might say, Hey, I understand that was a difficult day, but today, right now in this meeting, let's focus on the goals for the next semester. Uh, You know, and then 
you know what you want. And same with a family member. If you, if they, you know, if they say things that are not supportive to you, uh, you need to evaluate your goal. Is your goal to repair the relationship and make it that it's comfortable and good? Uh, is it to make boundaries? Is you know, you you need to know what you want in order to then work towards it and get it in special right. needs uh, parenting in any parenting and it even more in any situation ever. With right. people. <laughs> it just, yeah, again, I can see that like, in business too. There you go. Like, so, like you could have conflict with a client. You don't see eye to eye and you have to determine like, do you, do you want to continue working with that client? Yeah. Like number yeah. one, because it, you may not and you can cut the ties, you know, or you may want to repair the relationship. So, I mean, it, it definitely applies in similar situations. Yeah. Yeah. And when you know what your business goals are, um, then that will inform what you do. Yeah. For example, uh, when I started my podcast, I really just wanted people to hear what I had to say. And I was like, a microphone, the internet? Sure. People will listen. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone, uh, you know, my husband's like sick and tired of hearing my ear stories. So, <laughs> so maybe I'll find some internet people who will listen and Hey, that happened, you know, and that's, that's amazing. Um, but I didn't go in with the goal of building this, this business of consulting and all that. Uh, and that's why it took two and a half years, which is great. <laughs> it just naturally evolved. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to know, you know, what is your goal? If your goal is to make $100,000 in six months, then you need to do very specific things and work very specifically hard and have a good um, coach or, you know, business model that you're following uh, and not get distracted with passion projects and not have amazing interviews with people who you just want to schmooze with. Uh, <laughs> I see you. <laughs> but, like, I get to have conversations with people around the world about what it's like in their part of, in their country and, and what journey they went through and moms all over. And that's so fun. I just feel like I'm having a blast. Um, and I am, uh, not, you know, my goal specifically with, with the projects, the all about audiology podcast is not to be a huge profitable money making machine. That's like, so I know that and therefore I'm cool with it. I'm chill right. about it. And I try and, uh, you know, earn money elsewhere. <laughs> right. But you do. So I want to make sure we touch on the fact that you do have a resource. So if there's parents that are listening, who yes. either are, you know, currently, gosh, the whole process of actually getting a diagnosis is its own, you know, yeah, issue that we didn't even dive into. But if you're in that process, or even you're in the thick of learning how to be the best advocate for your child, um, you've got a resource, a, a course that kind of applies the FIG method and, and supports families through this process. Yes, it, it is called the FIG method. <laughs> oh, that's what it's, sorry. Yeah, yep, <laughs> that's it. And um, there's a lot of bonus things in there. Uh, interview with a teacher that's, uh, you know, from her perspective, how things in the classroom and interactions with, with parents, uh, a meditation library. Um, with very short meditations, <laughs> they're like five to 10 minutes, because I think, you know, even in five to 10 minutes, you can come down from that. What did they say? And can you believe it? And, da, da, da. and like, yeah. that energy is, is valid. It is allowed. You know, if people hurt you or you are confused or you are overwhelmed, yes, that makes sense. 
and then, and then you're ready to do the next thing, which is take a deep breath and think, what does my child need? What do I need? What do I need next in my business? Like that, that breath and that just like recentering is magic and scientifically proven too. So, <laughs> yeah. Score. <laughs> and yeah. science. So there's Perfect. a bunch of resources in there. Yeah. Well, we will put the link for that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to grab that resource, I just, I mean, I haven't taken it myself. We're beyond that point in our lives right now. Um, but having gone through kind of what's included in there and then this conversation with you, I can tell you having just having somebody to help through the process and to help with some of those things um, back then would have been would have been amazing. And I always considered myself to be knowledgeable and educated on those topics. But like I said, when it's for me, at least um, I found it so much so easy to advocate for my clients. But when it came to my own child, there was like this additional layer of like maternal love that seemed to make it harder to advocate yeah. because I was like more concerned about, I, it was like, I was trying so hard to get the doctors to understand. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was you harder. For understanding you yourself were just beginning to understand right. what this would mean for your family, for, for, you know, your daughter's journey in life, the challenges that she would be facing and overcoming. So all of that, there's, there's grief there. There's a lot of overwhelm that, that is, that's what I do. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're out there doing this work and providing resources because like I said, I just, I know myself and I know too many parents who are in a similar boat trying to, to work their way through this process. And I also really, there's also a huge network. I mean, we've, we've interviewed a few different people on this podcast, but of parents who have special needs kiddos who are building businesses. So like entrepreneurship with a special needs kiddo. And I don't know like what the correlation is there. Like if, if being a special needs parent makes you more likely to be an entrepreneur or, or just, I don't know, but I feel like there's a connection there. Um, yeah. And so I just, I appreciate that this episode kind of crossed those lines a couple times. Yes. Well, thank you. And where can our listeners connect with you? I have, you can, are more than welcome to join and listen to the All About Audiology podcast, where we don't only talk all about audiology. It's just not <laughs> your name, stories. The name doesn't fit anymore because it's really gotten very broad just about special needs parenting and people's experience. So there's... There's a lot there, a lot of interesting uh, interviews and topics. And I'm on Instagram. I answer all my DMs and Facebook. And yeah, you can find me at All About Audiology Podcasts. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Lilac. It was wonderful to, to chat with you and share your message with my listeners. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. You'll find all the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Did you know that my mom has a Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, and more? Her username is 
The Meg Brunson. Just about everywhere. You should go follow her.